When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're talking real money. (laughs) Oh, there he goes again. The mating call of the Tom. What are you doing screaming out the window? Wait a minute. You're going to get me in a lot of trouble. I I know. That's my goal. My goal is to get you in a lot of trouble. Hi, everybody. I'm Don. That's Tom screaming out into the wilderness, wherever it is he is. We're here on the podcast trying to help you, well, make money, save money, spend it better even. And we hope you'll call us at 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, anytime with your questions. Or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. You know, years ago, Thomas, years ago, I was once an evil stockbroker. Many, many, many years ago. And back then, everybody in the financial services industry... Everybody I knew, I think everybody, was on commission. You couldn't get financial advice without paying a commission to buy a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, or whatever it is. Pretty much standard. Then what happened? Fee only began. Fee, well, fee-based and fee only. Yeah, fee-based still got commissions. But we have been fighting the good fight for years. And I want you to know we are making a difference. Whereas everybody accepted commissions many years ago as being the way to do business with financial professionals, now, get this, according to a study done by the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors, that's a group of fee-only advisors, in their survey, they found that 40%, almost 40%, of all investors are will not pay a commission. They consider uh, someone charging commissions to be a red flag, a warning that they're bad to deal with. Well, and I think they should be a red card. I mean, I think they should be sent off the field. I think they should face a possible suspension and wow. maybe not let back on the pitch for that's some time. The, that's, so. that's the referee in you coming out again. There you go. Well, mm-hmm. back on the field and I'm back here. So, no, I mean, this is this is a key thing to understand. Number one, if they're selling you a product, that, that generally concludes the relationship in, in many cases, right? I sold you a product. I moved on to the next person. That's what most do. Fee only. Yeah, fee only means you're getting continued advice. Fee only means they're actually managing your money today. Fee only means there's a longer commitment to that relationship. Um, number two around that same area uh, that, that we see is that transactional style of business it's old school. I mean, it's old school before the the new school they built up that is now the old school. I mean, it really is not a way to deal with your money anymore. It's dying. For that matter, it really is. It's on its way out. So if you're still getting, if, if you have any mutual fund that has a, an alphabet after it, A, B, C, you got sold something that paid a commission. Mm-hmm. And many people don't believe me. I'm like, well, go, go to Morningstar and take a look. It'll tell you what you paid there. 
Um, this is not the way to do business now or in the past, but it certainly is uh, still done. But uh, you've noticed, by the way, that brokerages are smart enough to be duly registered now uh, so, that, uh, <laughs> so that they can bring you in. Then they can sell you the commission. Right. By the way, they pretend to be a, a they pretend to be a fiduciary. I was just getting to the F word. And the thing is, with a fiduciary, they can not do this. So if, if, if you are working with somebody who's selling you a commissionable product, they are not acting in your in best interest 100% of the time. People forget that. So this is just not a way to do business for you and uh, for anyone else that you know that's uh, uh, trying to get help with your finances. Well, I don't think that people even forget that. I don't think they, the, uh, still quite a few don't know that when you are dealing with someone who claims to be a fiduciary, they can at times change their hat and then deal with merely the suitability standard. They only have to sell you something that's vaguely suitable for you and that doesn't mean best for you and i'll give you an example let's say and there are there are such things there are loaded s p 500 funds i've seen them with a five percent commission to get in you're buying the s p 500 index and you're paying five percent to get into it or you the the advisor could could sell you either the commissioned one or one that is no load no commission an advisor who's acting in your best interests would have to sell you the no commission fund, would have to put you into that fund. The best interest, it's still in your best interest, even if it has a commission on it. So they're not looking suitable. out for you. Yeah, I mean, it's merely yeah. suitable, I should say. I'm sorry. Suitable. Merely suitable. Yeah. Suitable. yeah, a, yeah. People have no, most people, no idea, right? They just, and they assume, by the way, because I went and saw this person in a nice office, they're my friend, they're a professional, air quotes that they're going to do what's best for me. We know that most of the industry, sadly, still does not. They do not have that obligation legally. And when it push comes to shove and you find out you've been not treated well, you go to an arbitration process that, guess what, is run by those the very same industry. people. So, so you don't really get a very friendly place there to argue your side of the case. So, no, this is not a way to do business. People, I'm glad people are, are seeing red when it comes to all this. And it, you, this would be a place that just you just put an X through that. There's no reason to use anyone selling you a product, period. Well, and another red flag that came up on this same survey, and I'm surprised this one wasn't higher. And then there's another one I'm going to give you, too, that I'm shocked wasn't higher. 42% uh, of the people in this survey said that an advisor not being straightforward about their pay would be a warning sign. How they're getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah. would think, to People me, that would be 100% the of the time. 100% of the time. Yeah, it, it comes up regularly. People, you go get you go buy a product and they say, well, how, how do you get, oh, I don't get paid by your money. That comes from the company. That's, the company takes that's care of particularly that, true with silly. insurance salespeople. You will find that is a real problem with people who sell annuity products. They claim you don't pay the commission, the company does. And believe me, you pay it. Finally, the other red flag that shocks me, uh, only half of investors say that an advisor with disciplinary or legal issues is a red flag. Which is, I mean, if someone what? has some sort of, have had a problem with a customer in the past, by the way, we know because the Wall Street Journal did a study a few years ago, Don, remember there are thousands of people in this industry that have all kinds of black marks simply go from one firm to the next and keep going right at it 
They get rehired because guess what? They're great salespeople. They sell products like crazy. They make the brokerages a lot of money, and they're usually there until they get another problem, and the brokerage sends them down the road. They just move on. So, no, I would not hire any of those people because, geez, what's the guarantee there? The guarantee pretty much is you can be assured they're going to do something to you that might be untoward. <laughs> I'll put it that way. But shouldn't it be if they've had legal issues, I think it's 100% red flag. Uh, yeah, thank you. It should not be 50%. You're correct. Thank you. 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number, 855-935-8255. Give us a call with your questions or, as so many have done recently, and I do mean so many, we're really trying to catch up, send it in, type it in at TalkingRealMoney.com like this. Here's the subject. Long-term yeah. care insurance versus life and long-term care hybrid versus investing in your own portfolio earmarked for long-term care. Whew, that was a long subject. What are the things to consider when deciding if you should buy long-term care insurance or a hybrid life insurance policy with a long-term care rider, or should you set aside a hundred grand, say, in an index mutual fund to be used for future long-term care if needed? I would just say Barb at Vestry.com yeah, because no she used kidding. to work in the industry for 20 <laughs> odd years. This is very complicated. And here's the thing, like all insurance, it's a trade-off yeah. for some people. And you and I have difference of opinion on this, but I have life a lot of life insurance because I still have a 13-year-old daughter. If something happens, sure. I get hit in the head tomorrow with a soccer ball. I want to make sure that you know she's got money, things are okay. But and and so I'm probably well. That is I'll one hard that. soccer ball. I well, it's it's happened. I took one a couple of years ago that actually and, knocked me over. But well, <laughs> that maybe that was a but best. a killer soccer ball. I, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. That might be a real tough one. But here's the thing. But you could get Long-term killed by the kids care, at your red card. That could be. That yeah, could long-term care, I w- they're not selling very much sort of standard premium type. I mean, you know, pay every month, pay annually long-term care anymore. It, The business, it, it's shocking. I mean, it almost took GE down, right? I mm-hmm. mean, this has been a huge disappointment for the industry. They thought they are going to bring in all these commissions, which they did. They forgot they're going to have to pay out all the health on the other end. So long-term care is far different than it was. Most of the policies that are being sold today are a hybrid of some kind, right? You give them some part of the money. They they have the money for some period of time. They pay if they need to. They give it back to you. It just always feels complicated to me. So if you're asking me, I'd rather say, well, I'll just put the money in. I'll, I'll just keep it in my taxable account, whatever account. And then when I need it, I'll take it out. And and somebody in the business is going to say, whoa, ho, ho, you could have a real problem. What if you're in memory care for eight years? That could be a problem. But that is pretty much the unusual case. Most long-term care is short-term care for the most part not everybody Mm -hmm. i get it but for me it's a trade-off what what's important to you um i have children and people are saying you don't want to be a burden on your children i say they've been a tremendous burden on me i'm happy to be a burden on them it's my i know i'm kidding but the thing is it it it, it always is that trade-off there isn't one easy answer barb Devereaux did a wonderful piece at retirement on this because people just want to check the box and the box is very hard to check. I'll put it that well, way. Well, and I've done uh, multiple times in my life, I've shopped for long-term care. And it's always very, very expensive. It's very expensive because you have to understand, the insurance company is, they if, if they have to pay out, they've got to still make money. It's usually good for them and not for you. And that's why they backed away from some of these. And the benefits have become far more limited. And that hybrid life thing, I am not a big fan of because why why pay for life insurance when you don't need life insurance? Personally, and this is me personally, I am willing 
to take the risk. I have money in my portfolio that is earmarked for some long-term care. If we run out, I don't care that the kids don't get anything. You know, we'll we'll sell the house, and if both of us are in long-term care, we'll go on Medicaid uh, if it really, really gets bad. But uh, I think given the averages, it's a pretty good bet to pay, to have a couple of years of, of long-term care money set aside. And then the other thing you can do, too, is find a place where long-term care is less expensive than in your area. You might want to look into point, some other plans. Yeah, yep. I mean, my mom... She was talking about some sort of a care thing down the road, and she was looking at prices in New York versus prices in North Carolina. And she went, I'm going to North Carolina. And by the way, that's a great thing about retirement in general. People have a tendency to think, well, I live here. This is where I have to live. Maybe not, because in the Seattle area especially, it is a very expensive place to retire. Housing costs alone are huge. So that I think that's a great idea, Don, that you should be considering sort of many alternatives. If you have the money set aside and you run it out, well, then that's the way it goes. It runs out. By the way, you mentioned another thing. If you have real estate, then you have a bit of the Alamo plan, right? You could run through all the cash. You can run through everything else, but you still have the equity in real estate that you could either use a reverse mortgage, not a huge fan, but you mm-hmm. could if you had to, or you could sell that, take the cash, and still finance your lifestyle for some period of time. So I think that's not an unreasonable strategy either. Thank you for the note, and thank you all for your questions. And remember, you can call them in to us anytime at 855-935-TALK, or you can type them in at TalkingRealMoney.com or speak them into your computer mic there, too. And thanks so much for being a part of this episode of the Talking Real Money podcast. Uh, I'm Don. And oh, 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 by the way, let's see, this is airing Thursday. Tomorrow, uh, Friday, the whatever it is of February. What's the date on Friday? 26th. 26th. I'll be on yep. Stacking Benjamin. So join me over Ooh. there. The Stacking Benjamin's wow. podcast. That's something to look forward to. So that actually airs on Friday? Yeah, that airs on Friday. I recorded okay. it already, but it airs tune on Tune in. All okay. right. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks for being there. Take good care. I'm Don. That's Tom. This is Talking Real Money. Talking Real Money. That the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. I should keep the lawyers happy.